Hi, this is Dr. Tony Cooper, and this is Life Without Baggage, Insights into Personal Wholeness for Spirit, Soul, and Body. I'm a psychologist in private practice. I treat adults. However, this is not a substitute for medication or counseling. If you're having thoughts of harming yourself or another person, or if this material triggers you, please contact your doctor or a mental health specialist to help you with your concerns. So I'm still in the series, Principles for Transformation. Today's topic will be, Where Does God Live? Before we get into that, let me remind you that I have posted links so you can find my books on Amazon, my other videos on YouTube, or also if you wanna schedule a speaking engagement, that will take you to my website. Most weeks I schedule a bonus video, usually Tuesday, and recently I've posted a prayer to find your voice and a prayer to heal from trauma. The last two podcasts were actually video podcasts that I did with my brother, and we looked at ways to cultivate your spirit, to live out of your spirit, and understanding the first heaven, second heaven, and third heaven. So that was pretty interesting to to people. I got a lot of really good feedback on that. So before we get into today's topic, where does God live? Let's have a summary of what I've been talking about over the last few months in Principles for Transformation. I looked at the relationship of body, soul, and spirit when we started. In the world, a transformation is like a makeover. It's something external. But what the Bible teaches about transformation is that it's a metamorphosis. I'm basing that on a word in 2 Corinthians 3.18. This metamorphosis occurs as we gaze on the Lord, as we spend time with Him, as we allow Him to take us from glory to glory and strength to strength. It's a choice whether or not we allow God to transform us. We've looked at different ways that the Lord restores us, transforms us, things in our own nature that can get in the way, default modes, barriers, and also a reluctance to take reasonable risks. So in answering the question, where does God live? I'll give you the answer first and then I'll spend the podcast talking about it. There's really two answers. The first is the obvious one. He lives everywhere. He's everywhere. He's God. But the second is there can be a more personal sense of God's presence. Some have called that the manifest presence of God. So for our purposes in terms of transformation and also deepening your connection with the Lord, I'm going to focus mostly on that manifest presence. And I want to start with reading Isaiah 57, verse 15. I'm going to be in the Amplified again today. For thus says the High and Lofty One, He who inhabits eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, but with him also who is of a a thoroughly penitent and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the thoroughly penitent, bruised with sorrow for sin. So I've talked a lot about heart attitudes and how God wants to revive us, restore us, align us with the original design and purpose before 
we've been hit by loss or tragedy, but we learn the importance of humility in this verse. And many people have a inaccurate view of what humility is. Humility is not weakness. That's what I always thought humility is, but it's not weakness. The dictionary defines humility, which is closely related to meekness. They're not perfect uh, synonyms, but it's the idea of being gentle, being moderate, not harboring resentments, having a patient demeanor. And I was trying to think about how do you explain this to people? So the opposite of meekness, if you've ever been around a person who's drunk and belligerent and they're demanding their way and they're unpleasant to be with and they're irritable, that's the opposite of meekness. Meekness is strength, but it's under control. And the perfect example of that is Jesus. And I want to read to you from Matthew 11. And again, we tend to think of Jesus like the baby in the manger, that he's real kind of weak. We don't see him as strength under control. We tend to see him as weak, but that's not accurate. In Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, meek, and humble in heart, and you will find rest, relief, and ease, and refreshment and recreation and blessed quietness for your souls. So if you think about Jesus in the the way that he overturned the money changers table, it wasn't an impulsive response. It says he fashioned the whip that he used to drive out the money changers who were ripping off people at the temple that was supposed to be designed for worship. It wasn't impulsive. It was It was thoughtful, it was deliberate, and he was kicking butt and taking names. He was like, this is not going to go on. So we tend to see Jesus as very vanilla, very non-threatening, which is good. He's gentle and kind, but he is meekness under control. He's also the Lion of Judah. So I've talked about in different podcasts that we need to be like the Lamb of God, Jesus, to be gentle. But we also need sometimes to be that Lion of Judah to allow God to give us the power and determination that there's certain things that are not acceptable that we're not going to tolerate. So all of that to say that humility, God honors humility. And even though Jesus is God, he yielded his agenda, his comfort to come to earth, to live among men, to die on a cross. And none of that, I would say, would be fun if you're God. But that's the level of love and commitment. And Jesus was humble. And because of that, because of that yieldedness, he was also full of the Holy Spirit, able to know what the Father wanted him to do, and lived a perfect life. 
So Jesus is our example. So meekness is power under control. Humility, it's very similar. It's power under control. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, Jesus, I think, is quoting that verse in Isaiah. It says, blessed, happy, life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions, are the meek, the mild, the patient, the long-suffering, for they shall inherit the earth. So this is not about being a victim. It's about being yielded. And it doesn't mean that we lack confidence. Jesus knew who he was. So we can be confident in who we are, but we can also be yielded to the will of God, that we yield our agenda. And Jesus, again, is that perfect example. So going back to this idea of where does God live, and in Isaiah 57, 15, it says that he dwells in a high and holy place. That's heaven, the first heaven. But also with him who is of a thoroughly penitent and humble spirit. So I wanted to look up that dwell, that idea of abide. And we saw before that being yielded, abiding, that that is what allows for peace. That there's a level of trust in God, a level of yieldedness in living out of our spirit that allows us to transcend what's happening in the immediate circumstances around us. So that abide is related to camp, to settle down, to dwell, to make a tent. That that's that personal that manifest presence of God where you can sense that he's with you. And if you've ever been in that quiet time of prayer or in a church service or just praying and asking God for help, there are times you can sense his presence. And usually it is an unusual experience of peace, that that's his gift to those who abide in him, who want to let him create that tent and settle down in him. And so when, we're, when we do that, we have that peace where we can be empowered but under control, where we're not living in our resentments because everybody, there's plenty you could live in. But we don't live in that. We acknowledge what has happened to us, We know the truth, we don't make excuses, but we don't allow ourselves to be defined by our circumstances, by our culture, by the sorrows that we've been through. We can be defined by our original design, our original dignity and honor and purpose that God has given us because the world will try to take that away. So I want to look at a couple of verses that talk about this manifest presence, this abiding that God wants to have us enjoy with him. You know, if you've ever invited someone to come over to spend some time with you in your home or at a vacation spot and 
And if they come, you, you're excited, you're happy about it. But if they say no, it's a disappointment. So God invites us to camp out with him. He invites us to step out of that mindset of what's going on around us, the chaos around us, and to step into that first heaven with him, to live out of our spirits. We went over that in the last video podcast. So here's Isaiah chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. And the Lord will create over the whole site, over every dwelling place of Mount Zion, and over her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day, and the shining of a flaming fire by night. Those were the demonstrations God gave in the, in the desert so that the children of Israel would know he was right there with him. And for over all the glory shall be a canopy, a defense of divine love and protection. Maybe you have a canopy on your patio or uh, in your yard so that you can enjoy nature without the heat or the rain. And there shall be a pavilion for shade in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge and a shelter from storm and from rain. So God wants to provide that experience of his presence, that private refuge, getaway, where you can be with him. And maybe it's just a place in your house or a place on your patio or a little chair where you read your Bible, but he wants to create that experience for you. He wants us to enjoy his presence. Another place where this idea is explained is in Psalm 85, verse 9. Surely his salvation is near to those who reverently and worshipfully fear him and is ready to, uh, to be appropriated that manifest presence of God. His glory may tabernacle, that's like make a tent, and abide in our land. So when it talks about those who fear him, it means basically that you have appropriate respect for God as being the one who created us and who holds the universe in his hand. Again, it's the opposite of that drunk belligerence. It's the opposite of pride. The fool has said in, in his heart, there is no God. So that experience of peace, that experience of God's manifest presence comes through humility. And if you're familiar with Psalm 91, it is a beautiful psalm. I'm not going to read the whole thing that talks about God's covering. Verse four, it's a picture really of an eagle that covers the eaglets in the nest. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings, you shall find trust and refuge. His truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. So that's our protection. So we see that God wants us to experience his peace, experience his presence. So how can we enter into more of that experience of his peace and his covering, his manifest presence? I'm going to read a passage for you from my book, Life Without Baggage. I actually named this podcast after the book. And this is on page 66. It's the section that I call A Yielded Life. We don't lose our personality or our free will as a follower of Jesus. 
but we will be our best selves if our body, soul, and spirit are yielded to the ways and purposes of God. That's humility. If Jesus thought it was necessary to stay yielded to the leading of the Father and Holy Spirit, then we need to do the same to see supernatural movement in our lives. This means we learn to live in sync with the indwelling Holy Spirit. We choose to obey the will of God as expressed in the Bible. If we live according to our old sinful tendencies, we can't expect the fullness of the blessings of God. A life of abiding is a life yielded to Jesus. It is a choice. It isn't hard to learn to live from a position of abiding, that's living out of our spirits, or yielding to the presence of Jesus. However, living in close connection to Jesus requires us to relinquish our personal agendas and desire to be in control of every part of our lives. That is the part that most people find difficult. It isn't natural to yield our wills. There are situations where we might temporarily yield our wills when we get on a roller coaster or fall in love or voluntarily engage in a sexual union with a partner. We're yielding our wills. There's something thrilling in letting go to have an experience. Likewise, it's an adventure to live from your spirit in the supernatural realm with God while you carry out your daily tasks on earth. In the video, we talked about Ephesians 2.6, that that's what that's talking about. If our focus is primarily self, we will not see much of God's power. We're likely to repeat old mistakes. Our lives will not look much different from those who don't know Jesus at all. Sometimes people are afraid to yield to God because they subconsciously associate him with a harsh parent or legalistic church. But that's not God. God is love. He wants you to live a satisfying life, free from baggage and addiction. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that's 2 Corinthians 3.17. So that was out of my book, Life Without Baggage, the section on a yielded life. So I hope that explains where does God live. He is everywhere, but he also lives in close proximity to those who are humble and he shares his tent with those who have yielded to him. So I want to share some resources, and then I'm going to pray a blessing. So my first three podcasts that I posted in November of 2021 look at that idea of cultivating your spirit, living out of your spirit. And then also there was the last two video podcasts that I did with my brother about cultivating your spirit. I posted those videos on June 25th and on July 2nd of 2023. You can find my videos on YouTube, my books, Life Without Baggage on Amazon, and also my book on correcting distortions in your view of God on Amazon, and I have several others. So if you're enjoying these, please think about leaving me a Google review. There's a link in the program description for that. So I'd like to pray a blessing for all of us from Isaiah 57:15. Thank you, Lord, that although you are holy and you live in heaven, you also want us to enjoy your presence. That as we yield to you, as we humble ourselves before you, not out of fear, but out of respect, that you allow us a greater sense 
of your peace and connection, that you empower us to live satisfying and productive lives, that you revive us, that you restore us, that you empower us to live a life that is not defined by our culture, by our negative traits, or by the sorrow that we've been through. So I ask you to bless each listener now to know a deeper sense of living under your canopy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is Dr. Tony Cooper, and this is Life Without Baggage. Thanks for listening, and if this helped you, share it with a friend.